Welcome back to Arena On Air. In this episode, we sat down with a few of the actors from the world premiere Right to Be Forgotten to talk about all things internet. Our guests and hosts have all experienced the social media boom at different times in their lives. Some were in college before it really took hold, while others were much younger, but we've all had to learn how to navigate the complicated ones and zeros of our online identities. Right to be Forgotten tackles the wild world of online privacy. Daryl Lark, played by John Austin, makes a mistake at 17 which continues to haunt him a decade later. A blog post that took on a life of its own has not only impacted Daryl, but also Eve, played by Guadalupe Campos, the girl most affected by Daryl's adolescent misstep. Right to be Forgotten runs through November 10th. There's still time to see this thought-provoking new play. We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Arena On Air. Hello, my name is Shubhangi Kuchipotla, and I play Sarita Amari. My name is Guadalupe Campos, and I play Eve Selinski. Hi, I'm John Austin from Austin, Texas. I play Daryl Lark. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you. Can one of you or all of you together explain the premise of Right to be Forgotten? Okay. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, we can, in fact, do that as people who are in the show. Um, uh, so... Um, I play Daryl Lark, a young man who makes an, a terrible mistake in high school, and that is put online in the form of a blog, and it takes on a life of its own through the blog being reposted, shared, people commenting. So uh, Daryl gets kind of a, a search tagline that uh, uh, blows up into uh, rapist, criminal. That's what his name appears on the internet. So he decides... Um, to attempt to have this removed from the internet. Mm -hmm. And that decision kind of brings in um, a lot of different people into the orbit of the play. Um, Anyone from uh, state's attorney general to lawyers to um, also the two other actors I'm sitting with here who who play um, people who are are personally related to Daryl, not so much like the legal aspects of the show, but like the people who are affected by that mistake and um, the consequences of how the story plays out. Yeah, and so my character Eve comes into play when Daryl decides to contact her and ask um, for her help in trying to get these links removed off the internet. Um, and she's the woman whom he followed around in high school, um, and has and she's been living with the aftermath of all of that. Also, having been exposed through the blog, um, and so she's trying to reconcile with forgiveness. Um, for Daryl, but also moving forward and also a sense of justice for herself and other women like her. Sarita is a, a, a new person in Daryl's life who kind of gets swept along this journey and she has to decide for herself as she is witnessing everything happening, where she stands in the whole journey of Daryl's needs, wants, and desires. I'll say, too, that the it's the first date between Daryl and Sarita, mm-hmm. which goes so well and has such a great right. yeah. vitality and connection to it that inspires Daryl to attempt to um, free his life up so that this relationship could have a chance of happening. So now that you guys have sort of walked through the process and the production, looking at it both from a human angle and a legal angle, what are your personal opinions about online privacy and... Um, are you more public or private in your own life online? I'm very private. Um, my social media is purely professional. 
there's maybe a few posts that are like of me and my sisters or me and my boyfriend or like family, but very small captions on Instagram. And then on Facebook, I don't think I've ever made a post or if it is, if I have, it's about a show that I'm doing. So nothing personal. Um, I didn't grow up with the internet, so I, I don't know how awful it can be, at least not yet, but I've seen how it awful or how awful it is for others. So that's, um, that's been interesting to witness more so now with the show and, and seeing how everything kind of comes to bite back to bite you. I, it's scary. The internet is, 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 is an interesting place. And, um, this play has really made me wonder and think about what kind of energy I put out in the internet and what kind of, we were just talking about this earlier about what kind of energy I even like put out in the world um, and and what kind of comments I've been reading of like just, you know, online people, like people that are online and the critiques that they get and how bad it affects them, like famous people. So it's been really interesting, um, but I'm, I'm personally very private online. And I'm not even famous. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm quite alive on my social media, but alive on a surface level. Like, I'll post pictures of my dog and my little brother and of pretty flowers, but it's all surface. If someone was looking into it, they'd be like, oh, she has a very, like, curated life, but it's a surface level way of letting people in. But I totally grew up with Facebook. I was, I think, 13 years old middle school everyone had a Facebook and I look back at some of the posts and I'm like oh my god why didn't anyone tell me not to be such a weirdo online because some of the things that me and my friends joked about or said is very not okay and no one should do that and now my little brother who's totally part of the Gen Z movement they're all so aware of how they move on the internet and how things go viral so intensely so being part of this process has just awakened me to to the viral power and how you should probably not post things online if you don't want them to go viral mm -hmm. and if you do and they do go viral you should be okay with it because you've given it to the internet yeah mm. i like what um what you just said about um you've given it to the internet yeah. i think that there's a book that inspired um, Sharon in her writing process called um, Delete, colon, The Virtue of Forgetting in the Digital Age. And one of the tenets of the book is that whenever we share information, be it on the internet or just in conversation, we have released that information and trusted the source with whom we're sharing it. Mm -hmm. It's no longer private. Yeah. And um, I feel like uh, uh, in regards to the internet and, and in regards to how I conduct myself as well, this play has informed me in that... Um, uh, it's kind of made me realize the misnomer of calling social uh, media social. <laughs> it's like, think, I mean, think about it. It's like we social as in relating to people, but here we are in front of screens putting an image of ourselves we want or are constructing, whether mm -hmm. consciously or not, on the internet to meet with other people's constructed versions. That seems to me like the opposite of social. Um, in some ways, or like a twisted version of it. Um, and I guess, like you, Guadalupe, I, I think of the internet as a place where the image I'm putting up is the just a professional one. Yeah. Um, 
And in some ways, I trust that more because it's like, okay, this person is clearly curating just the professional features. And that that is like that leaves room for me to be a person in real life. Yeah. You know, it's funny how that how constraining sometimes social media can be in terms of its so its allowance of people to be social or not. You the know? curating of, of things, I think, is something that's been really interesting because like Facebook didn't exist when I went to college. It came about while I was in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait, I feel like so we should all go around and say, and say when Facebook was <laughs> online. No, I feel it's yeah. important. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, so. It was the second, it was my second semester of college, so it would have been mm. 2004 was when Facebook mm. started. Yeah. But I had actually, um, so I went to a four-year university for a semester. I went home and did two semesters at a junior college and went back to the four-year university. So when Facebook came about, I couldn't have a Facebook because I didn't have a .edu account. Right. Hey. Oh. And oh, so yeah. I had all these friends who were on it, and I was like, what's this thing? You, you know, I'd go to visit them and be like, what is this? And then when I got back to university, then I had a Facebook, but it was purely for, it was really interesting. You, um, uh, you could uh, input the classes you were taking so it had your class schedule and basically what you were doing was interfacing with other people in your classes mm-hmm. and a wall didn't exist um, mm-hmm. I think you'd like pass like messages back and forth to each other um, so it was like a very different way of using it and and as each new thing sort of came to be it was mm-hmm. more like this weird individual message boards so Mm. eventually you could write on someone's wall and they Mm. could like write back to you and then when twitter started Mm. it was Mm -hmm. like also primarily a space to like communicate with other humans Mm -hmm. and and i have a lot of friends in the city that are not quite as like socially engaged as i am or have been since the beginning i guess and they always make fun of me because I say the first people I met in D.C. I met on Twitter. Yeah, you told me mm. this. So I That's moved wild. here and I started, like, interfacing oh. with people in D.C. Wow. on Twitter, Twitter and then became, like, real-life friends with them. Wow. wow. So I have a very, like, strange relationship with social media because back in the day it actually was very useful for creating social environments. Mm-hmm. And it's not really like that anymore so yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, I don't meet people I meet on the internet. Like you don't, you don't go to them as humans. Yeah, that's like ta- that was the first thing my mom taught me when she let me get a Facebook. Yeah, you sure. don't go meet any of these people. Yeah. you don't talk to anybody you don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I remember. I was it was two thousand seven when or no two thousand four when it came out or whatever. But I was a senior in two thousand seven. That that was when I graduated high school, and I. I remember my friends, like my graduated friends that came back and were, you know, like our mentors in theater were like, oh, we have this Facebook. And I was like, what is that? Um, I also remember he sent me an invite for a Gmail account. <laughs> you had to get invited yeah. to get a oh, Gmail account. Wow. Um, I did have a live journal and I did have a MySpace and I eventually deleted, I think. Um, but I actually didn't get a Facebook till 2016. Uh, which is much later. I was in grad school, mm-hmm. and they asked me to get one because I was moderating um, or helping out in the box office um, mm-hmm. office, <laughs> and so they needed me to post some things in the theater account, and I didn't really know how to do that, mm. so I had to learn. Wow! <laughs> in grad school, 
I don't know, like, I grew up with it. Mm. That's, I, I look back at some of the old posts and I'm like, gym is so hard. <laughs> Soccer, LOL. It's, it's so wild. I mean, I don't use Facebook as much anymore unless it's to promote theater stuff. Yeah. But... It was very, very alive in middle school and high school. Yeah, I was I was a middle schooler who yeah. got Facebook. Yes. By the time it spread to Texas from the East Coast, it was there was a wall you could interact. It, yeah, it was very. I remember. I remember. I'm sure if you scroll back on mine for enough, you get to like the third person's posts. If you all remember when they had like, you are like you can write it like yes. John is feeling. So I I have so many status updates of when I was first getting it because I was you know wanting to update everything. It's like John is doing homework. John is feeling tired. Um, John is going to bed. See you at school tomorrow. Like that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's just like wow. these kind of irreverent details about little aspects of life. It's giving like young kids access to a much bigger world. So right. do you guys have any thoughts on, you already mentioned your brother with like the Gen Z, like they're, we say we grew up with it in middle school, but like now kids I used to tutor who were first graders yeah. had Twitter, Snapchats, Facebooks. Mm. How should they, or how do you think they should be navigating that? I think they're very smart and they've already figured it out. Like, they've already yeah. figured it out because they grew up with it. Yeah. And we all had, like, a learning curve of being like, okay, now I'm 23. I know not to post weird things as my status mm -hmm. update. But they were brought up with it. Like, my brother, I think he was maybe 10, had an Instagram and, mm -hmm. and a Twitter and a Snapchat. And so I think it is very social for them. That is how they communicate. And hmm. just because it isn't face-to-face -face hmm. does not lessen the impact of the conversation quality. Sometimes it makes it more. That's yeah. an interesting perspective. I, I work with a lot of teenagers, and it's fascinating how... I mean, I think back 10 years ago, and I don't think the same things. You know, I, my opinion has changed about a number of things. And so certainly 20 years ago, and um, I, I wonder, yes, maybe they are quite intelligent, smart, not maybe, they probably, I mean, they are, but but I wonder how much of those opinions will come back and affect them later on, mm -hmm. um, because some of the posts and writing that you might share online um, may be completely and wildly different in 10 years' time. Mm -hmm. And so how, if, when you're trying to get a job, running for office, trying to get a babysitting job. I mean, any any number of things. People Google people nowadays. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the time. And if I see something that I don't agree with or that I find offensive or, and and that might've been an opinion that this person had ten, five years ago or even six years ago, you know, the world is very different mm -hmm. from when it was, you know, 2016 or whenever. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting because yes, while they they may be intelligent enough to handle themselves, are their opinions going to be the same? And can they stand by them? Yeah. In that time. And which is where the right to be forgotten, <laughs> you know, comes in because then it's like I don't think like that. Can we remove this link? Can I erase this? I people think, you know, I don't know, let's say you post a picture that Maybe what's provocative and, you know, I'm a teacher and like I'm teaching now and maybe had I posted something that I didn't want my students to see, can I get that deleted? And what if they already screenshot it and posted and posted and posted and shared it? And that affects you in, in, in your workplace. And so 
it, it's fascinating. I mean, I certainly don't post anything that I don't want my students to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of my rule, actually. Yeah. I remember growing up, my dad's rule was, son, don't post anything you don't want on the front page of a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of, don't post anything you don't want on the wall of a Facebook, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But, but I feel like these Gen Z kids are aware of the power. Yeah. I think they know. Yeah. I don't think we knew. That's why we're yeah. so conscious about it. Yeah. But I think they know. They know they have the power to screenshot and send it and to send it. literally everyone, put it on Snapchat. Yeah. They know. Yeah. I don't know how smart they will be with it. You know, I don't yeah. know. But I think they yeah, know. Yeah, I, I agree that they're fully aware. Yeah. Another great line from Delete the Virtue for Getting in the Digital Age is that we're living in a time where people are speaking on record without knowing they are speaking on record, mm-hmm. um, which means people are offering up things online, and that is that is permanent. Even if you click delete on Facebook, it's not gone. Yeah. It's just hidden from your wall, but it's still with embedded in the codes that people can search up. I think of that, um, what was that? There was an app that came out or a filter on Instagram or something that came out a couple months ago, face, face tracking or whatever, and you're, oh, yeah. if you clicked, you not all, you had, all you had to do was click accept, mm-hmm. and what it meant was a Russian company got access to your digital facial structure. Yeah. And like, yeah. I did not hear yeah. about this. So, and, and it was it was casual too. It's just like, oh yeah, I want this fun face thing. Yeah, sure. And we, we, don't, we don't take the time on the internet because things are so quick to read the full Who's going to read the full policy right. thing yeah. that's in tiny print? You'd have to have magnifying glass and open it up. Some, and I mean, so I think people are conversant, younger are conversant in social media, but it's about like um, d- how casual is that conversation and how um, what, what do we lose when we um, speed everything up in the way that Internet does and don't take the time to think about. Oh, this is going on the record. Even if I'm just sending it to someone else, it's just a Snapchat. Right. It's out there somewhere. Right, you know right, I mean? right. Yeah. It's like a lawyer in their family. Because <laughs> I feel like my brain is constantly filtering through, like, because I want a paper trail of everything always. So I just assume everyone else is going to be looking for the paper trail. Mm. And so that's kind of like how I approach everything. And maybe it's like kids need a course in legalese in high school and middle school. I've never read the terms and conditions. I just click agree. I click I agree a lot. But I also, if it's a brand new thing that I've never been part of, I always skim the fine print mm. just to right. make sure I know exactly where the stuff might be distributed and how much <laughs> control. And I mean, all of those contracts say things like, this app owns everything you put on it and you have the right yeah. to like remove it and whatever but they also can use it in third party advertising mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. everything so that stuff is all built into those right. yeah. yep. well so then do you all think that you should have the right to be forgotten for like these kids that don't read the terms and conditions or they aren't aware of the stuff they're putting out or maybe they are in 10 years time they don't want it there I don't know <laughs> um that's, it's just the right the right to be forgotten law is so grand and has a lot of power and I just feel like that power if it were to fall in the wrong hands would be devastating <laughs> and I don't know if the world contains as many genuine stories like Daryl who were like okay yes you need a second chance we need to get this off I don't know if there's many cases like that that warrant such a big law like that. Right. 
That is my opinion. It's also it's tough in the United States because um, as as the attorney general in the play, Alvaro Santos brings up, uh, the issue is a First Amendment non-starter, meaning free because of the uh, of the precedent of free speech in this country and its significance. It's hard to see a something like a law that allows people to uh, quote unquote censor things mm. on the internet work going through. Um, for me, which is why I. I appreciate what's actually going on right now with um, the with attorney generals in the country who have come forward and are pressing antitrust um, legislation against um, major internet corporations um, because that is something that we have in this country a legal precedent um, for pursuing. Um, I do think it is valuable to look back to the progressive era and investigative journalists like Ida Tarbell, uh, Upton Sinclair, who wrote things like The History of the Standard Oil Company or The Jungle that opened Americans' eyes to, oh my gosh, here's what's going on in the meatpacking industry. Here the health standards are not being met. Or, oh my gosh, here's what's going, going on in this oil monopoly that's taking over everything mm. that we touch in day to day. And we almost need... Um, uh, a kind of investigative journalistic reveal in that same way that, mm -hmm. that just opens our eyes to, wait, here's how deep this code is embedded in our lives. Here's how this affects what we see on our Facebook walls, and that affects our learning and how mm -hmm. we proceed in the world and our behavior. Um, there hasn't really, I, th I don't think there hasn't been a kind of progressive flag, raising of the flag and showing of the colors as to what's really going on. So I appreciate that, that um, attorney generals are, are pressing the antitrust, kind of antitrust legislation that comes from the initial start of the progressive movement. The closest thing to that recently that I saw was The Great Hack on Netflix. Oh, that yes, that's a really uh, good. But yeah. I like other than that, I haven't. I like because I've been looking. Like I was like, I want to watch something or like you know, and there was very few few um, clips on that. It was interesting how they were trying to get information back and how mm -hmm. how really we should own our data points and stuff like that. But even that, it was um, it was probably. I mean, I don't. I didn't look at who produced it, but it was very much centered to the story of one person. Um, so, yeah, it's I, I agree with that. There should be more more research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more uh, and more revealing to to the public about mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely. And it's interesting you mentioned th that um, the great hack, because that's that's a movie and it's one that's mm -hmm. streamed from the Internet. Mm -hmm. right? Right, right, right. So it's like today it's probably not going to come from, you know, the history of Standard Oil and the jungle were both books in print or either magazine articles that were distributed mm -hmm. today. It, it's probably going to be a movie that's streamed. Mm -hmm. Coming into this process, like how well versed were you in all of the tech elements of the show or did you guys end up doing a lot of research to sort of get yourselves up to speed i mean we all live in the tech verse so mm -hmm. there's probably some stuff but um did you guys feel like you've learned a lot from the show and the production and the research or do you feel like you already knew a lot of it i personally didn't didn't know much about it um and my character really doesn't deal with the tech law of it mm -hmm. um so i did more research on um like survivors uh, mm. of of either sexual assault or um, stalking or just um, that that sort of thing, I like rewatched the Kavanaugh hearings. I like did did some of that some of that um, because I wanted to research more onto like 
why and and how women get the courage to confront their perpetrators because mm. that's something that I don't think we really ever talk about mm-hmm. but that happens I mean she Daryl contacts her and she agrees and she goes um, and it's something that really marked Eve, Eve's life I think and so that was the research that I did for my for my character and really that the tech law and the understanding of all of that um, I I think I came in with with not, not really knowing much, but I learned a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Same with same with my character. She doesn't really deal with any of the tech side of it, just the very human human side of it. So I didn't know a lot of the things that are talked about in the play, and I learned from hearing conversations and our table work and. And if something piqued my curiosity, I would go look it up. But I didn't have to do a lot of that type of research to inform my character. Mm-hmm. My starting point um, was personal. Um, reading this, my first read of this play in Preparing for Auditions, a most visceral reaction I've ever had to a script, ever. Um, and Sharon's written something mighty uh, here. Um, uh, but my, my visceral reaction stemmed from the, the writing as well as my own awareness of, oh, interactions I have had online and suddenly my brain flickering back to like wait what if what if this what if this was me mm-hmm. which is the question I step into every day with this um, mm-hmm. what if this is me what interactions have I had that if they were posted and went viral what what would be the ramifications of that yeah. um, and I think everyone uh, in this day and age has some kind of footprint on the internet that's like wait what if it's um, the, that kind of leap is not that hard to make these days mm-hmm. um, Everyone has something, and uh, it's the the play calls on that. And so, in the in the research around the tech that I did um, to to prepare, um, the question always came back to where does this meet me as a human being, and how does this inform how I relate to the other human beings on stage? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a great gift uh, of Sharon's writing and and uh, the gift of, of working in theater. Where does it lead us to the other human beings? Mm-hmm. Which is a question I, I hope, I wish we would ask more often in our own, in, in real life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. IRL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is actually the title of the scene when Eve yeah. and Daryl yes. meet for the very first time it's after 10 years since everything happened. IRL. It's called IRL. Um, in real life, yeah. Right. What does it? Mm-hmm. it? It comes down to what? What happens when the two people who have been behind screens actually sit yeah. with one another mm-hmm. and talk and talk about mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And similarly with Sarita, the last moment of the play, I won't get into too much what that is because I don't want to spoil it. But it it is about again two human beings coming together in the face of um, everything that's going on technology wise mm-hmm. and connecting. And I think that's a beautiful message for for what the challenge we have. So we kind of touched on like the footprint and some of the research you did for women who are survivors and confronting. And we've kind of started to dive into why this is timely, but I want to go like a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And just even though we've said like a lot of things that the technology can do to hurt us, you two, your characters meet because of online dating. That mm-hmm. is what brings you together in the first mm-hmm. place. So what do you hope audiences, why is this so timely and important for them to come see it for the pros and the cons of technology today? Yes, I feel like it's a very gener- Gen X 
mindset to be like technology is crushing souls, which it is in a way. It is crushing souls, but it also is bringing people together and giving people second chances. And I think what I hope that people see when they see the show is that even though there is technology, there are humans behind it and there is humanity. And if we just get absorbed into the binary, we'll never find one another. And so mm. they they do look beyond the zeros and the ones. Sarita does because mm-hmm. she tries to figure out who what that connection means to her. And mm-hmm. she does use, on. she says in the play, like, I looked up all the stuff. I read all of it. But then where does she go from that? The human in us who's like typing everything or reading everything. So I hope people understand that behind the screens there is a human, which is good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? What do you have to say? I agree. I think that it is about, I think we can harness the pros of internet and online social interaction when we can, when we strive and maintain that there is a, it's about a human connection. Yeah. Um, and we have to be vigilant about that because mm-hmm. it's easy to lose sight of that on the internet. Oh, yeah. so easy. Yeah. I think for me, the play hits me more. And I, again, I think I keep looking at it from Eve's perspective but, or like from a human female perspective um, and a woman of color. I feel like uh, it's really made me consider forgiveness um, and... Um, listening when you're angry and and Mm. really being patient with other human beings and not just canceling people you know we live in such a canceled culture culture, yeah and if it were me I probably would have been like uh no Daryl I'm not gonna like go meet you that's weird um but it's interesting that she does and and that's why I, I like looked into like why what are people looking for when they are searching for for the for why things happened um and there's a lot in my environment today that i that i wish i was like why can you just tell me why you think the way you do because i'm trying to understand you Mm -hmm. um and so i think that's where my mind is at i don't know that it it, that it lies a lot or aligns a lot with with the laws and in the tech side of it but it hits in a more personal um level for me at least that's what I walk away thinking about. And it's, I think they're both incredibly brave characters because they have those hard conversations. They really do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and ask the hard questions. Yeah. Um, like, just why? Why did you do this? Yeah. Or, yeah. or like, I don't know if I believe you or not, you know, yeah. or yeah. that sort of thing. And that's really hard mm-hmm. to have today. I think, too, it's interesting, the cancel culture, that term, because at least, and tell me if you all have different thoughts on this, but when I think of cancel, the word cancel, cancel culture, where that comes from, I think of like broadcast television. And when something mm-hmm. is canceled, it's a show that is removed from the air. It's no longer shown, mm-hmm. so it's no longer seen. That's a, an example of us as human beings taking a term or an understanding from technology, television, Mm -hmm. applying it to our lives and using it behaviorally. Mm -hmm. It's an, it's a, it's a perfect example of how technology in turn affects or changes our behavior. Mm -hmm. We use it as a frame of reference. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
when do when does the relationship shift from us using technology to technology <laughs> using changing us mm-hmm. right when when words like or terms like cancel culture start becoming the vernacular that we use it's clear that we are so enmeshed in this that it's part of it's just part of our heartbeat yeah, you know and is. and that's this all the more reason to to have a play like this that like examines it because we need we need to examine before we have you know, before we have it, it's just part of, we don't even think about it. You know what I mean? And I, I it just brought up such feelings when you're like, hey, it's part of us. And I wanted to be like, no, we're not. We're still human. But it is totally part of us. Like, what do we do when we wake up in the morning? What are my emails? Like, who texted me? What's happening? Or like, when we have downtime, like, what are we doing? Who messaged me on Instagram or whatever, right? It's just so, it is so part of us. Well, and then... I also keep thinking about there are there is a lot of stories and a lot of people that do need to be heard mm. and and that people sometimes do need to be exposed and I'm like ooh mm. how how can you possibly have these terrible feelings inside of you like how can you act like this and and just be mean like just you're a mean person (laughs) they reminded me of mean girls but anyway she's mean (laughs) like people are just mean sometimes right and People have lost jobs over things that they've done on the internet that have gone viral. People have asked for forgiveness. And in some cases, it's like, you're a disgusting person, and how dare you hurt another human being like that? And in other times, it's been like Daryl's moment, which is like, he innocently, he really thought that they had a moment. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I picture this moment in my when we're doing the scene all the time where it's he talks about how they had a moment where they made eye contact and that meant so much to him. It, it really innocently did. And and that's why he thought like, oh, maybe he she likes me. And I actually, I remember having this kid follow me to the theater like basement because we like made eye contact and I guess I smiled at him and he followed me into our theater and kind of cornered me and was trying to talk to me. But like, I did not that was not my intention. I, I was just being nice. Mm-hmm. And like that, that was, I, that was very scary at that moment. And I imagine that that was similar to what Eve went through, but heightened and through what so many other people go through in much, much terrible circumstances. They're just horrible circumstances. And so some stories want to be heard and, and are and are getting and technology allows for that mm-hmm. and and we are able to you know fight together um as survivors or as people or as the people that are oppressed we're able to rally up and and say like hey we're here let's gather up let's protest let's i mean you know all the protests that have taken place mm. in the last few years um, the amount of people galvanizing for one particular movement or several partic- like several movements mm-hmm. has been incredible and has been facilitated by social media. Mm-hmm. Hashtags, specifically. Hashtags, yeah. yeah. The power of a hashtag. And although I agree with Angela Davis, a hashtag is not, not a movement, um, but I do agree that it helps facilitate and, 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 and um, gather together to, to create change. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, one positive aspect of it yeah uh as a straight white male i'm definitely i'm asking right now like what what is 
allyship look like on the internet? Um, you know, and like, what is that? Um, you know, it does. Um, is it my responsibility to repost those hashtags, mm-hmm. or is it my responsibility to not say anything and give space for POs, people of color to post those hashtags? Do you see what I'm saying? And like, yeah, that, I think but, allyship looks like instead of. Uh, you being the one to state an opinion, mm. it's you using your power to be like, look at this person's mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Because my opinion, my, you know, I'm an Indian woman, my thoughts might get buried under all of these, but you having that power or, you know, having that that force behind you could be like, look at this person. This person is saying something important, shedding light on the people who don't have the opportunity to reach that light. Mm-hmm. I think... That's what allyship looks like. Well, thank you all for coming and being here uh, and offering up your time. This has been an yeah. awesome conversation. I think we had a lot of really great tech conversations yeah. and human conversations. And I think those are all really important. I think we forget that they're, that people are people. Well, thank you all thank so much. You. We super appreciate it. Come see Right to be Forgotten. Thanks for listening to another episode of Arena On Air. Don't forget to let us know what you thought of the episode by using the hashtag ArenaOnAir. And subscribe, rate, and review. And a big thank you to our fellows who help us edit, produce, and organize these podcasts.